2: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
3: Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam.
2: Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Addict Podcast, Thanksgiving special edition. And since things are special, we've got a special guest. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam joined today. Very excited. Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, former chief. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Are you getting ready for Thanksgiving?
4: I am. I am. Yeah, it should be a, a good Thanksgiving. A couple of days got the turkey defrosting right now. We'll, we'll man it up tomorrow, put in the deep fryer on Thursday and watch a little football. And uh, look, no Chief stress this weekend, right? No Chiefs game. Get a little, just enjoy football as is and get back at it next weekend.
2: And unfortunately, we all have to watch the Lions on Thanksgiving Day, which is always a little bit of a, a damper on things.
4: Yeah, but you have to also watch the Bears. And so that yep, might be yep. a little bit worse. We've lost five yeah. in a row with a point differential of negative 67 over those last five weeks. So that might be worse.
3: I, I got to tell you, like, I'm based here in Chicago, so I've got to watch that crap because my wife's family is going to be watching it. And they're actually going to be rooting for the Bears, which is even sadder. Yeah. I am going to... Openly be rooting for Detroit. I want them to win their first game. Yes, and I want to see if they leave Nagy on the tarmac. Like if they lose that game after losing to a backup quarterback at home in ridiculous fashion, and then they go lose to Detroit, just just can them, can them right there. Just let Mike Laser be the, interim the rest of the way. That team is such a shit show. It's unbelievable. I just just yeah. let let it happen. Um, but, you know, I don't mind the Chiefs having a bye week this week, to be honest. Like, I could use the emotional.
4: <laughs> I've never had a bye week on Thanksgiving. This is actually really awesome to have a bye week because normally for Thanksgiving, you're trying to shuffle having practice while also getting some time with your family. And so, you know, typically they move kind of the schedule from Friday to Thursday, Thursday to Friday, they kind of switch schedules, and you're trying to do this and that. And now the Chiefs players just get to relax this weekend. They get to have their Thanksgiving, see their families, And probably not even travel. You know, a lot of times guys leave town, but I don't know what the COVID restrictions are for that. But now that you get to stay home and enjoy Thanksgiving, eat whatever they want, there's no Wayne on Friday. Uh, So there's a, it's, it would be nice to have this weekend off of your NFL player.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, No chief stress. That's a good thing. So Jeff, you know, as as our, as our listeners and viewers are coming in through, through YouTube and thank you to, to Mike in Sweden who gave us 109 sec. Is that how you say it? That's like, that's, uh, we, we appreciate that. Thank you. I think that's like 12 bucks U S not too bad, not too bad at all. I like seeing the triple digits up there. Um, appreciate all you out there in the chat. The
3: international flavor. Oh
2: yeah. A, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we always you. get the international folks in for, for when we do these uh, early ones. So Jeff, now obviously you're eight years in the NFL. Uh, you've got a podcast of your own. I think we should tell everybody about Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. And I know you do some work uh, a million other places. Can you just kind of give – where can everyone find you?
4: Yeah, so my podcast is Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. And I, I try to tell people for months now – not months, but weeks – the Chiefs will be fine. So we talked about that on today's episode. Uh, we have a gambling episode on Thursdays. The NFL has been rough for everybody. Rough for me too. College football has been really good. So make sure to check that out on Thursdays. And then I work for Fox Sports as well um, and uh, for Sirius XM, uh, I do Pac-12 Radio Monday through Friday. Fill in on Mad Dog. I'll be a Mad Dog – Thursday morning for Thanksgiving, uh, as well. So there's times you can find me all over the place, but um, I'm here to talk some Chiefs.
2: I love yeah. it. Let's do it. Let's definitely talk some Chiefs. Um, and, and by the way, you 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 do work everywhere. You you also used to do a podcast with this guy over here, Matt Murray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stand on stacking the box, um, which uh, which uh, people should also subscribe to.
3: Uh, I I always enjoyed that. We had a lot of fun. It was a perfect year to work together. the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yes, so it that, was. Yeah, it really, it really worked out. We had a lot of fun, and, uh, <laughs> and Jeff and I have remained good friends. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. Talked throughout the year. Happy to have Jeff come on. We had his brother Mitch earlier on yeah. uh, to preview the season. So we you know we're really going through the family tree here. But um, <laughs> like it's been it's been a lot of fun. This year has, was not so much fun early, uh, as as that basically sleptwalked through the first couple months of the season. Uh, we talked about it all the time, Jeff, on this show, and I know you and I have talked about it, you know, just away from the show. Like, it's, it's been a year where it's just like, what is going on? I mean, they they just cannot get on the same page. They can't get right. Well, now all of a sudden, they seem to have gotten on the same page, and not that everything's perfect, not that everything's rosy, but they seem to have found themselves, and suddenly, seven and four and in first place, and not not feeling so bad as they heading into the bye week.
4: Look, I never bought the idea. That the Chiefs a forgot how to coach. Everyone said, that. "Oh, cover two. They, didn't, Andy Reid does He don't know what he's doing. Doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, okay, guys, come on. Guys been coaching twenty years as a head coach. Um, oh, Pat Mahomes forgot how to play football. The Chiefs defense just forgot how to rush the passer. Just take a deep breath, everyone. These are professionals, right? They understand how to make changes. And for, yeah, for three or four weeks, this team did not look like they had the previous three seasons. But they fixed some of the issues defensively, right? Let's start there. Less man coverage. Thank you, right? Zone coverage, cover two. Sorensen, bye-bye. You know, Gay's healthy. Gay's playing more. Sneed's healthy. Sneed's playing more. Fenn's playing more. They they figured it out, right? Chris Jones, back inside now where he should have been the entire time. They they fixed that issue. Frank Clark somehow found a pass rush all of a sudden. Ingram has been helpful. Like, they've found ways – to changes because they're pros, they've been in the NFL, the coaches for a long time. So, are the players they're prideful, they don't want to suck either. And offensively, look, they stopped turning the ball over. There's still some bad turnovers. Oh my, that Kelsey one was bad. Um, yeah. and they've just kind of gone back to taking what the defense gives them and then running the football. I, I, I begged the Chiefs every single week. To they have a, we have a good offensive line guys. The Chiefs can run the football like just run forward, have a move vertical up the field, and so they figured out some of the issues. Now it's not all perfect. I get that, but I never bought the idea that they forgot how to play good football. Everyone has rough patches. It, it, you remember it was a twenty fourteen Matt when the, the Patriots came into into Arrowhead and lost that Monday football game. Yeah, everyone's was like famously. Tom Brady forgot how to play football. He's done, and like they won the Super Bowl that year. Like just yeah. deep breath, everyone. So, but we're, we're a reactionary culture. We're so up and down that it's hard to see the light. And my, my whole thing was like, look, the offense stops killing themselves. And it wasn't great on Sunday for, you know, they had turnovers. They had penalties. I had thought one was bad and one was okay. You know, just uh, mental errors here and there, drop passes. I mean, it's not, it's not perfect, but the defense is played better. And they're right where they should be, 7-4 to
2: leading the division. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that that Cowboys game because I thought it was – Obviously, it was a defensive masterpiece, um, but probably the most complete game that they played despite some of the hiccups on offense. What was your reaction to that game, Jeff, uh, on the defensive side of the ball?
4: Well, obviously, moving Chris Jones back inside has been very helpful because he's really good at at defensive tackle. I I didn't really buy that defensive end issue. Look, I, I understand, okay, if you want to move him out there because you have a young defensive tackle that can kind of not replace his production but can give you some production and you're lacking an outside rush, fine. But they didn't have that guy. So it wasn't like they were putting – so they moved Chris Jones to a worse position and they replaced him with someone much worse. So he basically made two positions worse. So I didn't get what they did. They put him back inside. I mean, Zach Martin guy is the best guard in the NFL. and He beat Zach Martin handily for a sack one time. He beat the left guard. I mean, he is – and when you have that pressure up the middle, it makes quarterbacks a little jittery, right? And we saw the Cowboys – now the Cowboys had offensive line issues of their own just just injury-wise, but we saw their game plan. They were fearful of the Chiefs' pass rush. They, they call the game fearful of what the Chiefs could do up front. And when that happens, it makes everyone better. It makes your secondary better. It makes your linebackers better. I think they're stopping the run as, as Gay has played more and Bolton's getting used to playing in the NFL. Like they're just, their pieces are coming together. It's okay sometimes. It takes young players a little bit of time to figure out how to play in the NFL. And uh, that to me, defensively, I just, you know, the Chiefs' defense guys does not have to be perfect. They just can't be terrible. Get some stops. For some turnovers, for some punts, we're not expecting you to hold teams to nine points every week, but just don't allow forty-seven points. Like, like help the offense out a little bit.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I actually like I wrote my column on it on Monday about their defense, and I kind of tongue in cheek, bro. Like they're a defensive first team right now, and I mean, and yes. I know I don't look realistically if they're going to win a Super Bowl, it's going to be about Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill, and, and all. But right now, their defense is leading them which is impossible to believe based off what we saw the first month of the year, like impossible. But, you know, you mentioned it a little bit, Jeff, and I want to touch on it. Like you look at, you look at these linebackers, Gay and Bolton specifically. This is the first time in years that Chiefs have had linebackers who really make a difference. Again, I'm not like Anthony Hitchens, is a good player. He's been serviceable for them. He's been solid, but they've had to hide Ben Neiman and they've had to hide other guys at times. Right? Like because they just either they can't cover, they're knocking against the run, they've got to try different things, they've got to use these unique packages. The Chiefs now have two linebackers who are young guys, along with Anthony Hitchens, who they can just put out there and be like, all right, go get that guy. And Gay can run sideline to sideline as well as anybody. And Bolton is a hammer coming down the down the the pike, right? I mean, he, he fills gaps as well as anybody they've had in a long time. And so all of a sudden, you have those two guys, and it's not a liability. Like, have you noticed the tight ends aren't killing them anymore? I mean, well, <laughs> yeah. I
4: mean, well, well, I, I, mean I, I think I think part of that is they've taken Sorensen off the field, so that helps against tight ends. Yeah, they're playing more zone coverage, so they're not in man coverage as much. You're not worried about tight ends one on one against a safety or get the linebacker. But the Chiefs have have modernized their defense. Well, linebackers that can run, they have to be able to run have to be able to yeah. run, and they, they found guys who could run, and you're, and you're leaving them on the field in nickel situations now, which they had not done in the past. So you have guys that can run and get in space. There was a play – they the th- it was a third and two, I want to say, and they threw the ball out to Zeke. And I think Bolton ran him down on the sidelines for like a minus one. The Chiefs have not had linebackers that, that, that can do that in the past. And they've saw what Tampa Bay did to them, right, in, in, with, with David and, and White. I mean, you have to have guys that can run because the game is so spread out now – And again, just give them time to coach these young guys up. I mean, we've talked about it. The the draft classes between basically Mahomes and two years ago were bad. But they filled in guys now with these last couple of classes that can play, that fit what they want to do. And give Spax credit. He decided to change up what they do, right? They they were a blitz-heavy team. They were a man coverage team. More zone now. Simplify things. Keep guys in front of you. Don't give a big plays. Yeah, you might not pressure as much, but if Chris Jones is rushing the passer like that, you don't need to bring pressure. So he they found a way to make it work with all their pieces.
3: Totally agree.
2: Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's the big change from earlier in the season is they weren't getting any kind of pressure even when they blitzed. And yeah. now that you've got Chris Jones back in the middle, now that you've got Frank Clark healthy, I mean he's looked as good as I, these last few games as I've seen him in a while consistently just getting after the quarterback. And if they're able to do that, you see on the back end, the, you know, Charvarius Ward coming back. Fenton, those guys are covering. Dan Orlovsky had a great breakdown on Twitter just about, um, or it might've been Bollinger, can't remember, which The both put great breakdowns out like of their that. money. It was yeah. Bollinger, Bollinger, yeah. Um, just the way that the Chiefs were covering. They were all over it and their technique was sound. And I, I you know, this is one of those games where, Sometimes the Chiefs play well on defense and it's like you look at the other team and you're like, OK, well, they, you know, they weren't executing. They, they played a poor game on offense. This is a game where you, you really can't blame Dak and the Cowboys. I mean, they just got their butts kicked. It was the Chiefs. The Chiefs dictated that game on defense and that, that, they could have played four more quarters. and I don't think Dallas would have got a touchdown the way they were playing.
4: Yeah. And look, part of that is obviously what, what they did. But look. To be fair, you know, there was a lot of, um, of drop passes, which sometimes you need to have in a game. Like, I don't feel bad for the Cowboys because of that, but they dropped some passes, you know, some offensive line injuries. But the thing that bothers me about when we, when we talk about um, just teams in general is, is, you know, they usually say, oh, the Cowboys had guys hurt. Okay, well, then you should hold them to nine points. Like, that's what you should do. You should play better. If the yeah. other team is is guys that are out, like what do you, what do you want the Chiefs to do? Give up zero points? That seems unlikely. You have nine points. That's what they should have done. They, they're missing their left tackle, who the Cowboys cannot win without. I think they're now they're fourteen and sixteen when Teron Smith hasn't played and started a game. They're down their two wide receivers. Zeke got beat up the chiefs should allow 9 points that's what good teams do and they took advantage of injuries like that's what they should be doing so the idea that they're we downgrade their performance because they're guys missing jordan love they allowed 7 points at the very end that's what they should do when jordan love is playing not allow points to a quarterback that's not very good so the idea again that like this is it should be a knock on the chiefs no this is what they should do they should play well against bad offenses
3: yeah and i I feel like, you know, I've seen so many people say, well, they didn't have CeeDee Lamb. They did in the first half. and They scored three points. I mean, yeah. he was there for the first half of the game. He, he, you know, it, look, they were missing Cooper. They were missing Tyron Smith, which are huge yeah. guys, huge guys. But in the end, like, I also believe, too, the Chiefs in that game were playing so fast and they were playing physical. And when you can... When you can constantly manufacture a pass rush with four guys, as the Chiefs were doing in that game, then they'd bring the occasional blitz. They brought Steen on a, on a slot blitz. He, he got his hands on one pass. When you do that type of stuff, and God, Jeff, you could speak this way more than I could, you know, considering your experience in the league, but I, you know, you, when you see that and you're getting there and you're getting there and you're getting there, and not even with sacks, just hurries and, and pressures, yeah. it speeds up everything on every play. Because you are, if you're Dak, you're expecting it to get there at some point. You know, maybe you're used to having two and a half seconds. Now you're thinking, I got one and three quarter seconds. You know, I got to, I've got to get rid of the ball. I've got to get rid of the ball. It screws up timing. It screws up everything on an offense, even on a play where maybe you don't get there, but you've been getting there over and over and over. Like it starts to feed into it, speeds up the clock of, all right, the ball's got to be out. And maybe you get it out a half second before you normally would. You know, and and all of a sudden, a guy who would normally come out of his break and he's open, well, he's just getting out of his break. And now the ball hits him off the front of the hands because he couldn't get open or he couldn't get around quick enough. All that stuff plays in. And early in that game, Kansas City was just all over Dak. I mean, they they ended up with five sacks. But I thought that was part of the game was it just – they were off kilter from the start. And I think a lot of that had to do with the way Kansas City was getting home from jump.
4: But I also think it's important to, to know that it's not just the physical play, right? As you mentioned, the Cowboys offense started calling plays like they were afraid of their offensive line. So, and my, my brother tweeted this out too, and I think he was exactly right. So, all the downfield stuff is out of the playbook now. So, you're getting underneath passes. You know, you, there's not time to have those deep developing passes we can take advantage of. The Chiefs' tendency since injury has been there to commit defensive pass interference or holding penalties. It blows my mind. I, I can't imagine a team has committed more in the last eight years of defensive pass interference penalties um, or holding penalties, and that's all out because they don't have to, to to guard for that long, right? Like there's no, they don't have to do that anymore. So um, that's that's where it also matters because it's Kellen Morris, like, oh god, we, we got to protect our quarterback. Let's go to a quick game. Let's get ball out quickly, and that's why it matters as well. It's not just a physical beatdown. It's, it's how the play caller changes what the offense wants to be.
2: I want to talk a little bit about the offense in this game because it was a little disjointed. They looked pretty good early. They were moving the ball. They were running the ball. Clyde Edwards there was back. And then they kind of got a little disjointed, a little bit sloppy. The, the Kelsey interception was was terrible. Actually, I want to talk on that one real quick. A great effort by Byron Pringle to run down the interception on that play. And I wanted to get both of your opinions on this. Kelsey kind of pouted, he pouted a little bit after he gave up that interception. And he was one of the only players that didn't run back. Um, Does does that bother you, like, Jeff, as a player, when you see one of your teammates on a play like that, or you kind of understand? It,
4: not, yeah. not from him. I mean, yeah. I, I think his effort and his desire to win has been proven many times over. I <laughs> sure, don't think he. Sure. I don't think he thought the ball was intercepted. I think he just like, uh, oh, geez, I dropped the pass. That's what I thought too. And and by that point, he's 15 yards away, I did not even realize what 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 had happened. Yeah. And look, little effort plays like what Pringle did, who seems to be the number two wide receiver now. They're playing him a lot more. Um, is the difference sometimes in winning and losing, right? I mean, we famously saw DK Metcalf, right? Hawk down Buda Baker, I think it was. And yeah. that saved a touchdown there and that and led to, to no points. I think, I th- I think, I think Arizona missed yeah, a field goal there. Right. And little plays like that are, are important. And those are like team culture plays, right? That's that's effort that you really, you hope to teach, but you kind of have to have it inside of you. And players do feed off that. I'm not the Kelsey thing. That's, I, I don't know if people are making a big deal about that. That should not be a big deal.
3: No, I I, I totally agree, actually. Completely. I, I thought that the same thing was I think he just thought he dropped the ball. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like Jeff said, I think by the time he realized, turn around, I mean, he, yeah, you know, he's never going to catch him. I have no issue. I, I just had an issue with the fact that he's been dropping the ball. I mean, that, that that's been the bigger thing, which is weird. He is not a guy throughout his career that drops passes. That has not been an M.O. for Travis Kelsey this year. It has been. I mean, obviously, look, he's still having a great year. But um, I think with him, I don't think it was so much as a pout as much as he was pissed. I think he felt yeah. like, you know, that was the second drop he had in the game. Um, but, look, he also had some big catches in that game. But that, that game, and I said this right after the game as well, like I really, I really feel like with the offense, when they were playing the Giants and the Packers and the Titans, they looked completely disjointed offensively. They looked yeah. out of rhythm, out of sync. They couldn't figure out a scheme. I mean, it, everything looked wrong. Everything looked – they had no confidence. They looked terrible. I did not feel that way in the Cowboys game. I thought they they were fine. They just beat themselves. They dropped a bunch of passes. They had a couple big penalties that took them out of drives. Um, Obviously, the turnovers. But I really, you know, I I didn't get the feeling like it was like the Packers game or the Giants game. The Chiefs were moving the ball. They just just, were circuited. (laughs)
4: Here's here's the the issue that happens though, and why it's a little concerning that they keep having these problems. It kind of becomes your identity, right? And your identity becomes like we just kind of keep making these mistakes and and it's not really about when they play the Cowboys, but it's you know it's when they play a playoff game and they really haven't fixed some of these issues. And you're playing a good football team and it's like, oh, we, we should have won the game, but we kind of just didn't. Like mean, it obviously matters a lot more then than it might yeah. against the Cowboys. So they still need to and, and it does, it does. If you're a Chiefs fan, it should um actually excites you that there's seven and four leading the division and still have a lot to work on. Like there's still things they can fix and still need to fix. And Andrew Reed's great after a bye for who I think they play the Broncos, right? Denver after ball, a buy. Um, yes, yeah, I saw that. So they're probably going to, you know, the win that game, be eight and four. I mean, there's it just e- each week. I think you want to see the defense just, I mean, not the, the, but the offense just kind of fix some of their, some of their errors. And I think it'll happen. I have faith it'll happen, but they still, you know, turn the ball over too much that, Drop passes, penalties on Tommy. I thought one of them was a bad call on Trey, but uh the other one was probably a holding. So, you know, and then Trey got a personal foul after well, um uh, uh he cussed out the ref. And then I mean Claude edwards Hilaire, I mean that that point was vicious. i my, my kids were watching. Uh, yeah. I would, have, I would have to turn it off. So just yeah. stuff like that. I mean, they three, they had three and sports one like conduct penalty. I mean, Fenton's like out there like motioning, like I don't even know what that was. That made that was gonna get called. I mean, that was fairly obvious. Um The the whole, but that whole sequence is interesting because (laughs) Mike Prayer is like, Well, they shouldn't call face masks. And you're like, Well, it's a face mask. They should call it. Like, it's, we see it happening right there. And he was arguing procedurally. I'm like, Dude, just call it. It's, we see it's a face mask. So the sky judge is happening in the NFL. I wish I just admit they're doing it.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, It always cracks me up. Like, like and I get Pereira, like I understand where he's coming from from the from the letter of the law, so to speak. And by the way, Epic, I saw you say Happy Thanksgiving from Canada. Thank you, appreciate that. I would yep. say the same to you, but I know up in Canada you're not having a Thanksgiving. Um, look, I, I, it drives me nuts. Like we have so much technology now, and in the stadium, and I, this has been the case forever. But like we have these huge, unbelievable video boards where they're showing this play, and Finn is getting his head ripped off, and Pereira's yeah. like, they can't look at that.
4: Why
3: the hell
0: not? <laughs> right. His helmet got ripped
4: yeah. off his head. I, I also love in college football, I mean more than anything else, there's a review and they have the tiny screen you're looking at. They're like, the screen's like this big. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're listening to someone on the headset who has more uh, TVs, but it's just kind of funny that that's the way this is. This has gone down. Um, it was the right call though. So yeah, just like cleaning up things like that, which um, Andy Reid does a great job of self, uh, self-scouting. So he'll come back next week and maybe even they probably had someone do it already. And maybe today or tomorrow they're meeting with the players before they, they head off for the week. Like here, guys, here's what we need to work on. Here's what we're good at. Here's what we're bad at. And figuring out a way to to get things kind of more, um, or just kind of less mistakes on offense.
2: During the second half of that game, Jeff, did you feel like, and I know you mentioned earlier, they could, you'd like to see them run the ball a little bit more. The offensive line that these guys can block nasty. Um, I, As a fan watching that, I felt in the second half like, man, we could just put this away if we just go to the ground game. We're getting really great push. Clyde's running well. Were you feeling that as well? Do you think that they could have settled things down a little bit more on offense and and gotten another score if they just committed to the run just a little bit more?
4: Oh, man. I'm always going to want to run the ball more. And um, there is, I think with this offensive line, run it forward. Like the sideways outside zone Stuff from shotgun is not what they do well. This was the first game I thought all season they had run only runs the offensive line was good at, which is downhill, like straight downhill. Um, Any sort of gap runs or they just ran inside zone, but more like just kind of just straight inside zone, kind of like almost like a dive. It wasn't even inside zone. Just, you know, the the back kind of st- step back. moment hand on the ball. He just went straight downhill. Um, look, Andy Reid is not going to run the football. It's not what they do. So any game we get where we get, I think it was six, seven, eight runs in a row at one point, but the first negative run, he's going to pass the ball. And they view, by the way, they view the RPO as a run. I mean, there was, a, I think, a time in the game they ran four straight RPOs, but threw three of the four. So those count to them. You know, If Tyreek Hill gets eight yards on RPO, that's a positive play. It's a good play. So right. they call more runs that we give them credit for, and 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 Mahomes for the most part, I think, does a really good job of figuring out where the advantage, whether it's going out to the edge or, or keeping uh, the, the run play going. I, I I like to see more of it. I think they have a fantastic run blocking offensive line, uh, young players who I mean Creed is one of the best centers already. Trey Smith will be an All Pro one day. Um, you know uh, Joe Tooney's been fantastic. They have dudes that can play. I wish they would do it more, but it's not what it's not what Andy Reid does. So I, I can't be that upset about him it's not going to happen
3: I, I do want to and first of all I agree like my father every week screaming about why don't they run the ball why don't they run I'm like well because that's not who they are it's just not like for better or worse it's not what they're going to do and it drives me a little bit crazy too especially when you watch and early in the game Dallas is just getting blown off the ball i mean, blown off the, ball. The, the touchdown run by Kelsey he didn't get touched. They ran after the four-yard line, and he literally yeah. didn't get hit until he was at the goal line because the entire offensive line was at the goal line.
4: Yeah, I, I gotta say though, man, like whenever I see the Chiefs get get cute on the in the in the low red zone, I kind of cringe.
3: Uh, oh, please preach it, I, I, it Patrick and it, I. I I was screaming about this a couple like, weeks ago when they played the Giants.
4: Like for years, it was really good. Like it, they just they always kind of were able to to get in the last you know the last a uh, year it's just not been as good and especially when the offense is not flowing very well you're kind of like well just let Pat Mahomes make it happen well, like just let him do it and, and it was a good play yeah. that worked well
3: and, and also like you you know we all we've talked about this for you like, in years past they've not had the offensive line to line up on third and one and third and two and just run the ball they do now especially look orlando brown's a very good run blocker but the trio inside like enough of this stuff where you're running like this zone scheme. Like just run. I got what we just said and we just yep. talked about run power. Just run it. Like there's no reason not to run behind those three guys. I really think in the playoffs, if they get into a game where they've got to burn some time, that's the way to do it. Like now, and by the way, the last drive against the Cowboys. As bad as that offense was after the midway point of the second quarter, they got the ball with about eight minutes left, and they pretty much ended the game. And a lot of that was running the ball. I mean, just oh, yeah. pounding yep. the football. Dallas couldn't stop them. I mean, Dar- Darrell Williams had an 11-yard run in there. Clyde had some nice runs in there. They did sprinkle in a pass here to Kelsey. But, like, it was a lot of just, we're better than you up front. We're running you over. And I do think that is one thing in the playoffs that matters, and for people to say, "Well, no, not really." Go look at go to the Asian championship game when they beat Tennessee, and they lined up in the second half of that game and just ran them over for the entire second half of the football game. You know, it's not it's not as necessary maybe as it was in the mid nineties, but it still matters. It still matters. If you can execute a four minute drill. It, it, it does.
4: Um, yeah, and. It's again. It's it's like not what they do, though. Like it's it's hard. I think at times just to say, "Hey, we're going to do something we don't often do." We we want it. We we want them to do it. But they've for years have allowed on Mahomes to be that guy. In this, because their offensive line, look, last year was beat up. They had not been the best run blocking unit for a couple years now. But now that's obviously changed a lot. So maybe we'll see more of that because they did it. You're right. They, they they did it. They tried to do it the second half of this game. And maybe moving forward, we see more of that as they trust them more in these situations.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and let's move on to. We're getting into the the bye week here. Andy Reid, legendary, coming off of a bye, gets to get in there, tinker, make his adjustments. Uh, I'll, I'll start with you this time, Verduram. If you're Andy Reid and you're going into this bye week, what are you focusing on? What are you What are you tinkering with? What are you adjusting for the second half of the season?
3: I'm doing everything I can to get them to stop beating themselves. Like, I really believe that – like, defensively, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch a damn thing. Like, I, I would just leave it alone. Offensively, I mean, I think the second and offensive penalties taken, they're first in drops, like first and worst, uh, and they are worst in turnovers. I mean, I, now, as far as schematically, I'd like to see them utilize Hill and Hardman's speed a little bit more. I think at times, and I just saw Reddy Whip just said, need more jet sweeps. Yeah. Like, that's – look, I want to see them get to the edges a little bit more. I thought early in the game against Dallas they were doing that and they were killing them. And then they went away from it. Like, I, I'm i not saying you got to do it 10 times a game, but I would like to see them – look, if, if teams are going to play this cover two shell, where they're not going to let you get over the top. I think at some point you have to accept that a little bit and go, all right, fine. Well, how do we create explosive plays within those confines? Well, it's getting the ball – to those guys with space and allowing them to run with the football. Like I, I think that to me is something you have to do. It's also something, look, I'd be working on, and this kind of goes to what we talked about. If you run the ball effectively and you can start sucking up those linebackers, you can hit them in the second levels. You know, especially if those safeties are going to be dropping 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, and you can get a linebacker to suck up, hit him behind the linebacker. I, look, yeah. All this, all this is stuff that Andy Reid, if he was listening to this conversation, left, laugh. Go, yeah, guys, I know, I, I get it. But I mean, that, if you're asking me, that's what I do. But I really just think they've got to stop killing themselves on offense. If they stop doing that, they'll be fine.
4: Um, it's that simple, right? But I, I don't know how you coach, like, stop dropping the ball and committing <laughs> penalties. Right. You know, like that's like there's nothing to coach. It's just like, do you think Travis Kelsey's just not practicing how to cast the ball? I'm sure he is. I mean, McCall Hardman, this is what he's done for years. It's no surprise. Pat, Pat gave him a death stare in the first quarter. He, when he dropped the pass. that ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think you look at you look at even like the offseason, like they need to get number two wide receiver in the worst way. Like they, I don't know what their their you know, the draft slot will be anywhere from what 20 to 32 around there. I mean, I someone, someone's got to help that. That's my my guess, and maybe pass rusher too, but um, it's just they gotta they gotta find that. But I'm with you. Like use the speed, use the offensive line. Um, you know, kind of. I think they're getting back to some creative plays as well. That reverse was really nice uh, early in the game. So I think they're they're back on on what. They, and again, Andy Reid's the only staff. And I played for Tom Coughlin, John Fox, Leslie Frazier. Were at the bye week. They told us what we were good and bad at. Like we are good at these plays, and we're bad at these plays. We're not running the plays we're bad anymore. <laughs> Throw them out. We're running the plays we're good at. And that's why I think they're good after buys because they they actually, they, they have some, uh, they kind of throw their egos aside and say, hey, we're going to do what, what we're good at. Even if it's stuff that I don't like to call or I'm not used to calling, we're going to run what we're good at. And that's, I think, what makes them so good after bye weeks.
2: It's going to be very exciting. Let's get to the second half of the season here and and, and just hand out some hardware for, for, the, mid, for the mid-season awards. Um, Jeff, who's your offensive MVP? And this sort of rocky first half of the season for the Chiefs. Reed Humphrey. I love it. I love it. I, mean, I, I
4: don't know. I, don't, I mean, a rookie center in this offense. They haven't missed a beat. Like, he's been fantastic.
3: Yeah, I, I was just going to say flat, the, the interior of the offensive line. So, I'm, I'm in lockstep with Jeff. I mean, look, I, I, you know, I'll go differently, though, just because Jeff already covered that. Tyreek Hill is having an unbelievable season. Like, yes. nobody's talking yep. about it. He has, like, 85 catches and over 900 yards already. I mean, yeah. in, in an offense where every week, defenses, all they want to do is take him away. All they want to do every week. Nobody deep, nobody deep, nobody deep, nobody. I mean, God knows it's about him, right? Like, nobody's worried about Demarcus Robinson getting deep. And yet, Tyreek Hill is probably going to have, you know, 1,500 yards. And I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating, 120 catches. I mean, 110 to 120. It's, he's had an unbelievable season under the radar. And by the way, Mahomes. Is I don't know what with Brady last night might have changed. He's either leading the league in yardage or he's second. Yeah. And it's 25 touchdown passes. And people are like, why is he terrible? Why is he not broken?
2: It's like broken. He's broken. I mean, come on. That's what they're saying. But I'll
3: say Hill's been (laughs) incredible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill as well, uh, just because of the way that they've been able to move him around uh, with, with people taking away the deep balls. They've been finding ways to get the ball in his hands, and he just makes such a big difference for this team. And in some of these tight games, has really bailed them out um, with his incredibly unique skill set. So I'm going to go with Tyreek as well. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We'll start with you this time, Ram. Who's your defensive MVP for the first half?
3: Jeez, so <laughs> it's really like who's been the defensive MVP of the last month, right? Because early it was nobody. I, I think, I think it has to be. I think it has to be probably chris jones i mean just just based off of he's been so great the last month but i gotta say it's actually a hard call because you can make a lot of different cases like the the, the, some of the corners have played really really well especially i mean fenton's been tremendous sneed has been good ward was great um but i think jones it it all starts with him like when he's dominant up front it changes everything about them so I'll, i'll go chris jones
4: I think it has to be Chris Jones just because of what he's done the last two or three weeks, but coming back inside, and we saw when he when he missed some games because of wrist injury too, right? The defense just wasn't even close to getting home on the quarterback. Um, I think it's got to be – because it can't be anyone in the secondary, at least not now. I mean, you can make a case the defense has played much better since Gay has gotten more reps, but, I mean, he's not MVP caliber for the defense, so to me it has to be Chris Jones. I'm with you there.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Chris Jones. uh, But I want to give just a special shout out to Charvarius Ward because I think when he came back, there are a lot of things that changes that were happening, but he's been a really solid player for them. And it's that you you get that extra player in there and everybody else gets better from having him back on the field. So I think he's been key for this defense and part of this turnaround. All right, rookie of the year. I think this one's actually really interesting and tough because the Chiefs have a couple of, of, of really talented rookies along the offensive line. Jeff, who are you going to go with? For rookie of the year so far, yeah, rookie of the year for the Chiefs. Um, I mean, I just gave Creed off its play. I'll go. I'll
4: just say Trey Smith just for this reason. Um, I think the physicality he brings to the offense, in you need a guy like that. If you remember when Quinn Nelson came to the Colts, the Colts had a good offensive line. He came there, and they became like a punishing offensive line. When you have a guy like Trey Smith. The rest of the offensive line wants to play to his level. They want to be as physical as him. They don't want to be the guy who's not finishing guys. Um, and so to me, it, it has to be Trey Smith right now. Um, you know, obviously Creed's excellent and Creed will probably be an all pro. It's possible. But like, I, I think that, that Trey Smith, that the physicality he plays with is really tough to match.
3: I, I Look, I was going to say Smith, but, but to be fair, I think Humphrey, like to be a center and be a rookie, that's a really hard thing. Like that, you know. There's a lot that goes into that, getting calls and protections or anything else. You get with Mahomes, you're gonna have some help there. But he's been phenomenal. I actually was talking to somebody in the league, like I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, who said like he's not gonna win offensive rookie of the year because he's an offensive lineman. But like he, honest to God, could be the rookie of the year. Like he's been.
4: I, I mean, it, it, Rash, Rashawn Slater would probably get over him just because of playing left awesome. tackle. Awesome, uh, but Creed's fantastic. And, yeah, I, I, I am. Trey Smith going the sixth round, I still don't understand. Like the medicals were fine. I mean, like he he had some issues, but he's been fine clearly. Um uh Chiefs got I mean, they hit a home run with him the sixth round. I cannot believe they I, got they got him the sixth round. You know,
3: look, yeah. I mean, obviously doing this for a living, like I remember, you know, Trey Smith. Like I, I didn't I, I knew I knew of him. I didn't realize like, oh, he's you know, he's as I didn't realize he was like the number one recruit in the country coming out of high he school. Went, like yeah, I didn't in 2017, realize he was that Yeah, that talented. And when they drafted him, I remember, my, like, immediately my phone pinged and I looked down it was you. And you're like, great pick. Great pick. <laughs> Just to be like, you know. And it's like talking to people in OTAs. I remember I, I reached out to somebody with the team during the OTAs. And they're like, oh, my God, this guy. Like, this guy. This guy's going to play, like, immediately. Because yeah. he's, he's unbelievable. And, you know, normally, like, you don't hear that from like, – th- like, certainly they're going to pump their guys up. But – you don't normally hear like some guy who's in the sixth round, especially on a team as talented as Kansas City, just big. Like, oh, this—he's going to play like week one. Like, we—there's no way we're putting this kind of pinch. I mean, it was evident with him and Creed right away. And oh yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, with Creed as well. Um, really steady presence there for them in the middle. And what's exciting for for me, and I think all Chiefs fans, is this is these guys are just getting started like they're going to improve, they're going to get more reps. So to to be able to watch and see how this, this this new line plays together, but particularly Creed um, and Smith in the middle there is, is going to be really, really exciting as they move forward. Um, all right, last one here. Who's your most underrated chief so far this season? I'm going to go with you, Verderan.
3: I got to go defense because I think we've really covered the offense and we've talked about the stars there. I think it's Willie Gay. I think nationally I, – I, Chief fans appreciate him, but I think nationally it's really Gay because when he came in – and by the way, my like one B here would have been Nick Bolton. Um, they have completely transformed the way they play the run, like completely. Gay th- – and this actually wasn't a running play, but there was a play last game in the third quarter. They, you know, Dak swung a pass out to Zeke on third and two. Any other linebacker on the Chiefs, there's no way to yep. hell. Like he turns the corner, nope. he gets five, six yards, maybe shove him out of bounds. Willie Gay, like, caught up to him at the line of scrimmage and just wailed him out of bounds for a no-game.
4: Yep. Like,
3: that never – that would not have happened with any Chiefs linebacker since Derek Johnson. There's no way that anybody – and, like, Willie Gay wasn't even – like, he just got there and just slammed them out of bounds. Like, all right, punt. Like, that – he is so athletic. And, by the way, if you remember, he missed it, but he just missed picking Dak off in the second quarter I came, and if he does, a house yeah. call. Like, he's walking yeah. to the end He's so athletic, he's a game-changer for you now. Love it.
4: Um, I mean, I think you go you know, a couple secondary players possibly, right? I mean, Snead and Ward and, and those guys are, are doing that. But, I mean, I think – I mean, Ingram and his ability so far to change his defensive line's pass rush has been – I mean, you can't double – chris jones or frank clark anymore because you have the third pass rusher at ingram who's still doing and playing well i mean i think in in his what two games three games now three i think it is um his addition's been wonderful for this chiefs defense line they have been better they have been able to rush the passer better since ingram came into the lineup it's been three games and those three games have been the three best they've played all season up front
2: yeah absolutely it's getting very exciting to watch the chiefs defense which is uh Boy, what a turnaround that has been. Um, yeah, I'm going to go exactly. with, with, with with my guy Ward here. Um, I just think he really saw what he means to this defense when he was out and how much he helped everybody improve when he got back. All right, second half predictions um, before we get out of here. I'll start with you again, Vertoram. What is the Chiefs' final record going to be, and what's their playoff fate? Sitting here right now. With, with full understanding that you could change your mind based on the next few weeks. But right here, right now, how do they end the season and what's their final record?
3: I mean, look, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that people who are in the stream and certainly the two people I'm talking to know <clears throat> with me, I'm anything but a homer. I will kill them at the drop of a hat about I anything. I don't think they're going to lose another game. I said that to Seren Petro in Kansas City. Uh, I said, if they beat Dallas, I think they're going to run the table. And he kind of was like, whoa, like, I, I do. I don't think, like, like, I look at it, they got Denver twice. They've got the Bengals on the road, who I, I respect, but if the Chiefs play well, they're winning that game. They have the Steelers at home who can't score a point. If the Raiders yeah. at home. The only game that I look at and go, maybe, is the Chargers. Chargers, yeah. But I got to be honest. Like I think if the Chiefs know that if they win that game, they're home free, like, they should have killed the Chargers the first time they played them, and that was when their defense was a wreck. Like I, look, I think they're going to run the table. I do, and if and if they do it, they might be the one seed. Like I don't, I don't know that anybody would beat them out. I mean, I don't, I don't think Buffalo's well, running the table. I don't think, I don't think Baltimore is going to run any kind of table with the schedule they've got ahead. And Tennessee just lost to the Texans.
4: The the, the problem for the Chiefs getting the one seed is they lost a tiebreaker to Baltimore and Tennessee, and right. so you have to you have to basically beat them by them you, know, you have to get it's, and that's that's tough I think to do. So I'm with you, Matt. I think they lose at the most two of the last six games. And then um, in the playoffs, okay. Look, I mean, to me, the only place I could see them going to lose is Buffalo. I don't think they lose to Tennessee again. Um, I'm, not, I, you know, they're they're so beat up. They're DVOA, they're 18th in DVOA. Tennessee, they're not they're a good football not, team. Yeah, Buffalo's defense is not as good as they've been, but you know they're playing better teams now. But they're not as bad as the Colts game, right? Like I think playing oh, yeah, in Buffalo yeah. with the weather could be a bad weather game. Would be tough. I mean, I, I, Josh Allen seems to have regressed back to what he was in 2019. That's the only place I don't, they're not losing in Baltimore. They're not losing in, in, in Tennessee. They're not losing in maybe again in Buffalo. That's about it for me is where I see them losing a playoff game if that's the case.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, look, I know it's really, really hard. I think they're going to go back to the Super Bowl if they're healthy. Like, I really, I do. I, for, and partial, part of that is because I think the AFC stinks. I don't think Tennessee's that good. Baltimore is is seven and three give them credit. Like they could easily be three and seven. Like I, I think if Kansas do with this defense, the way they're playing, I mean, I think they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. I, I, and look, it's so hard. They get a one bad game in January and, and that's it. Right. But if you're saying you got to bet your mortgage, who's coming out of the AFC them, especially if I think they're going to run the table and be a one or a two seed them. So uh, look, I, I like where they're headed. I think they've weathered the storm, and I, I I really look at the rest of their schedule. I just other than that Chargers game, I just do not see them having a hard time in these games. I don't I don't I do not think they're losing to Denver. I don't think they're no. losing to the Raiders. I don't think they're losing to the Steelers. The Bengals again. I respect the Bengals. I just don't think the Bengals are ready to beat them in a game where if the Chiefs know they've got to win that game, like I don't think Cincinnati's beating them. And the, the Charger game's interesting. Although again, it's going to be Arrowhead West. It's seventy percent of that place is going to be.
2: Chiefs fans so oh yeah
3: you know we'll see I you know 12 and 5 certainly but I I will I will roll I think 13 and 4 I think they went out
2: I love it I think yeah I think they lose I think they lose one more game somewhere along the way they slip up I could see them slipping up to Pittsburgh because of that defense if they come out and they have one of those offensive games it could end up losing an ugly football game but um yeah I think I think they only lose one more because if they keep playing defense like this and the offense gets a little bit more consistent they're just better than most of yeah. the teams that they're going to be playing. Um, they should watch out for Buffalo in the playoffs, though, because that defense has been much improved. And, you know, that's that's a one game any given Sunday. They better be careful there. So, Before so we get out of here. George
3: asking Pat, uh, which I yeah. think are fair, because a lot of people put that in there. I get, Look, I have all the respect in the world. I would not want to see them for one reason. Belichick scares the hell out of me, you and, and, yeah. and should, right? Like, he... He can just have a game plan where you're like, "Oh my god!"
4: Yeah, but Mac Jones, no, they're not winning a, The yeah, AFC was a Well, that's where I was right. going to
3: go. But like, my yeah. ultimate thing is like, you're telling me Mac Jones is beating Mahomes for the playoff game? I just that's not happening. I'm sorry. No. Like, and Spagnolo, he's gotten a lot of shit over the over the course of this year. When he plays young quarterbacks, he typically kills her. It's it's so there's so many different looks you get out of them. Mac Jones is not beaten. If, if they do all the credit in the world to the Pats, I would be shocked if Mac Jones beat them in a playoff game.
2: Same. Yeah. Yeah. Don't see that one happening. One last prediction before we get out of here. And this one, this is, this has actually become one of my favorite holiday traditions is logging onto Twitter, usually sometime around Christmas day and seeing when Jeff's wife is dragging the tree out to the curb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is absolutely now, hilarious. It Jeff Jeff always refers to a tradition like any other. What time does the tree come down this year?
4: So we'll get the tree tomorrow, as we do on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And I don't know, between like eight and nine a.m. whenever she gets up and just is over it and just takes everything <laughs> off. And we take the tree out and it's gone. Like she's very practical. I mean, we're gonna get it on November twenty-fourth, and in a month later she's over it. She's like, we've done it's yeah. done its served this purpose. Um and it's dragged out there. I mean, people think we're weird. I don't care. But it is a very fun <laughs> dream. And, and I don't even help her. She just does it herself. She just—I mean, it's so yeah. dead. It's you know, so it's not very heavy by then, yeah. and she just drags that thing out. And by about nine a.m. on Christmas morning, the <laughs> house is back to normal.
2: It's lovely. I love it. I love it. It's a hilarious bit you've got going every year. And I, by the way, a be- just a beautiful home that the shot you, you always have of the tree when it's up. What a spot. For a nice big, it is a great, tree. it's a great. It's a
4: great yeah. spot for a tree, and it's a great spot to pull a tree down and drag it out from. It equally yeah. is an impressive <laughs> location.
2: Yeah, I noticed that. I looked back at some of the photos today ahead of the podcast, and like a few years ago, she had a like a little cart. It was on four wheels, and then I think last year there was just a video of her just dragging it by the top. Yeah, of the we tree. don't. Yeah,
4: we don't. Yeah, we don't do the we don't do the doll anymore. We just yeah, grab it and pull it out of there.
2: I love it. I love it. All right, and what, one more thing before we go. Number one, number one thing you're looking forward to eating on Thanksgiving, burger and so. Oh, good.
3: Oh, for me, Jesus. I'm not a turkey guy. Like, I will eat it, but I'm not. Like, I love ham far more than I love turkey. I'm am bi- big into the, the the sides. Like, I love mashed potatoes and I love yams. Big big starch fan, obviously. And then also, like, I love a good apple pie. And and I'm not, none of this mm-hmm. none of this one slice shit either. Like, especially bears and lions I got to sit through that crap. Two slices, yeah.
4: minimum. So I do like turkey. I fry my turkey. It's very delicious. I like the turkey wing. Um, but my wife makes homemade mac and cheese. It's the only time of year she makes homemade mac and cheese. That is what mm. I uh, live for Thanksgiving. And I'll be eating lots of of homemade mac and cheese. Yeah,
2: it's starch madness. Starch oh, madness. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a bit, you know, what? this isn't even really a special Thanksgiving food. But give me the rolls. I want the brown and serve Ooh, rolls. A little like hot it. butter on there. Dip it in the gravy. Um, just... uh can't can't get enough of it. My, my my favorite Thanksgiving memory is my my papa before he died would always. He was uh, notorious for walking around the table and swiping people's rolls off their plates. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah yeah. So I try to do that to my wife at least once a year. All right everybody, we are we're gonna get out of here. Um, thank you so much Jeff Schwartz for joining us on our Thanksgiving special, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Make sure you check out all the work he does, and of course his podcast, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Uh, for Matt Vergram, for Jeff Schwartz. Have a happy, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will see you next week. And as always, go Chiefs.